This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Speed Series episodes are straight to the point, no BS answers to listener-submitted questions. If you have a question and want it answered, submit your question using the link in the description. Thanks for listening, and good luck this season. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Latitude's Speed Series Q&A. On the line today, I have Ethan Eskew. Ethan, thanks for joining the show again, man. Yeah, how you doing, Jake? I'm excited to uh, roll through a good question here with you today. Yeah, I'm super excited, man. Really pumped up. Just got the new Prime Bow in the mail. I haven't even, I actually took it out of the box, but I haven't even looked at it yet because I want to jump on here and record with you before you went out glassing tonight. I know you're doing that. So let's uh, let's keep this thing short and sweet, man. Let's dive right into the first question. What do we got today? So today's question's from Austin underscore O'Garrick on Instagram. And the question is, with public land that has ATV, bike trails, or hiking trails, would this deter you from hunting these areas? Or is it more that the deer tend to be used to it and they have an area that they don't normally see human pressure? And if so, do you see bedding shift to more odd places like lower elevations around this type of pressure? So Jake, I know you and I have both hunted and both avoided areas that have all of the above hiking trails, ATV trails, bike trails. And I think we approach it uh, somewhat similarly in general, but I think you and I have also seen some specific examples that um, are are somewhat contradictory. So I'm going to kind of let you roll through this. When you're looking at a piece of public and you see these trails littered all over the map, right? Assuming you're e-scouting at first, what's your initial gut reaction? And then what do you have to kind of check yourself to kind of think deeper into into this when you're looking at a new piece? Man, that's a that's a great question. So I just want to start off by saying that this is going to be, like we say on every single podcast, it is extremely situational. And I think what you're going to get out of Ethan and I discussing this back and forth is just how situational it is, because I can look at 
you know, a dozen theories in my head and a dozen places in my head that just don't set up right with the trails. And then I can look at a bunch where I kill a bunch of deer around those trails and actually use them to my advantage. So to answer your question, Ethan, my initial gut reaction with trails a lot of times, and it's just something I tried to, I've, I've tried to break this in the past, but it's something just sort of ingrained in my head is when I see a bunch of trails, I immediately get turned off a little bit. Like it just isn't exactly what I'm looking for. Like I tend to find areas that don't have the trails and I would rather hunt an area that doesn't have them. And I'm sure I overlook a lot of really good spots. And I don't know how many other people do that or not. Like, am I, is it really detrimental that I overlook those because everybody else is overlooking them too? Or do some people not care and they go into those spots? But I can tell you that my gut reaction is that immediately upon seeing it, it kind of is one of those things where I'm like, okay, that is going to be a spot B for me to go look at. And I'm going to try to find a place where I can find more solitude. And that could be right or wrong, depending on the area, right? Um, and, And what I'll say after that is, so even though that's my initial gut reaction, I've been proven wrong on that gut reaction a lot. And I think it's still going to be very situational. Like I can look at a spot, for example, that I've killed multiple deer and I killed the biggest buck I've ever killed. And there's hiker trails on top of the ridge on the leeward side and the buck, the biggest deer I've ever killed was bedded 90 yards away from that hiker trail. And that hiker trail is used for access a lot. Like a lot of people walk that. There's a ton of hikers in that area. You know, we live close to a lot of big cities here in Ohio. So you get a bunch of people just out recreational hiking. And to me at first, that was an issue. But the more I've been in that spot, the more I realized it isn't as big of an issue as I thought it was. Now it gets situational because if that trail was another 50 yards down the ridge and in the midst of the bedding or where they like to bet, I feel like it would definitely shift things around a lot. So the second part of his question, you know, does it shift the bedding? I think it absolutely shifts the bedding a ton. And we'll get more into that here in a little bit. But Ethan, what's your initial reaction when you see those on a map? What do you, what's going through your head? I would agree. You know, my initial gut reaction, if I look at a map and it's, if if there's one or two tra- trails in like a big area, then that doesn't really bother me. But if I look at an area... And it's almost littered with trails, which some areas are, like you said, I'm in, I'm immediately somewhat turned off. Um, now that's not to say that that can't be a good area, but like we are saying a gut, gut reaction, you know, I'm trying to find areas without trails. You know, it's just kind of ingrained in us. Like you said, you try to find the areas with no roads, no trails, no humans, right? Well, how often do you actually find that? Not very often. Yeah. And I've found, honestly, of the times that I have found areas that are truly devoid of humans, most of them haven't been great hunting spots. So it's like, you know, we live in the eastern half of the United States, um, you know, public lands limited and areas where people don't go to is even more limited. So you almost you're almost forced to uh, think creatively, you know, so. And this is something that's super common, super, super common, whether it be hiking trails, ATV trails, biking trails, access trails, gravel, even gravel roads that wind through public, I would almost uh, include in this. It's just what I would consider a human travel route, right? So again, yeah, my first reaction is kind of turned off, but it is situational. ATV trails are probably my number one deterrent, um, like the worst case in my in my experience, in my opinion, ATV trails are the bottom of that list. Like I, I don't like to be around ATV trails. Um, now, if you're on private ATV trails, the other side of the spectrum can be awesome because they're great travel routes. 
but on public, I have never, I have personally never found a good area uh, next to ATV trails. And honestly, most of the time, those ATV trails aren't even supposed to be there. A lot of times. I mean, sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're not. And then up from there would probably be a road. um, And then the biking and the hiking trails. And those, like you, like we're saying, those are so situational, but to try to answer it from from my point of view, I've seen both. I've seen areas that the deer, talking mature deer, mature bucks, they don't want to be around that hiking trail. Like I've seen areas like that, that is just devoid of it. And you do have to go look elsewhere. But like you said, I've been able to use it to my advantage before also in some instances where like I can think of one piece and I've got two separate examples on the, is that this was big woods settings big woods, hill, mountainous settings, found a really big deer. And this was actually because of, I I scouted an area with another guy that I had met and he didn't seem to be as leery of all the hiking trails as I was. And he was like, let's go check this area out. And, um, so we, we went and checked it out and ended up finding a really, really good deer for the area. And he was bedded up against a rock cliff 60 to 70 yards below a trail and leeward side um had to be a northern wind and he could scent he could scent three different hiking trails above him and it was downhill so in the evenings all those thermals are pulling down from all these different trails so he knows if someone's been up there or someone's up there and above him are these giant red oak flats that he can just rise up and go up there hard deer to hunt neither of us ever killed him but that's a good example that was a mature buck big deer for a mountain setting using those trails you know to monitor human intrusion and another example was after i saw that i started kind of looking more at areas next to trails and i'll be honest i had one of the best hunts i ever had on this piece of public and i almost killed the biggest deer that i had ever personally seen on this piece of public and i was about 100 yards off of one of the most main hiking trails on the property and when i say main hiking trail i'm talking one of those hiking trails that's like six feet wide and like hard as concrete because so many people walk it um you know that type of hiking trail well, there, you had to cr- cross a creek, and then there was a little ridge with a lot of mountain laurel on it, so super thick security cover, and on that backside edge during the rut, um, it was November 1st, I caught that buck cruising, and he came by just out of range. I was just a little off with my setup, but again, I wouldn't overlook these areas. You know, You know what I mean? To me, the trails are, whether it's hiking, biking, ATV, you know, smaller, less used gravel roads... Those are things that you really have to go in and, and check yourself. You can't just e-scout it. You know what I mean? Because you have to verify. You can't guess because most of the time it's not good, but sometimes you will find gems that you have to actually evaluate yourself. So that, I mean, that's how I view it. Um, I'd be interested to hear, you know, what 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 you found being able to kind of dig in deeper because um, that's that's kind of some of my own personal experiences and how I view it now. Our thought process is so similar there and I really do believe that they all need to still be investigated. Like I feel like from my experience and from what I've learned that a lot of the ones that I think are bad, like I said earlier, actually turn out to be pretty decent and then vice versa that I think the biggest thing is to just not overlook them either way and they still need the due diligence and you still need to go in there and put boots on the ground and 
and determine if it's going to be good or bad, to be honest with you. You know, there's, I can look at so many different factors that are involved in determining if they're going to be good or bad with those trails and like, how much is the trail used? You know, is it really remote and far away from people where if a person is on that talking, it'll still like tip the deer off and scare them and spook them? Or is it a trail that's used every day where they're just used to people intruding in there? Is it on the top of the ridge? Is it in the middle of the ridge? Is it in the bottom of the ridge? In my opinion, the majority of the good areas that I find that are inter- like mingled in with the hiker trails, the trail is in the bottom and the deer are bedded up above it and they just observe it. They just still have a wind advantage and they have a sight advantage and they'll lay up there and watch those people walk by and it really has no effect on their day unless it's in like that window. You know, if you're in there trying to hunt during that window, you're going to have kind of a nightmare on your hands if there's people around. The deer just aren't going to want to come down if somebody's in a hub, for example. But, you know, it depends on the time of year too. Um, Early season, you could probably get away with a little bit more because there's more recreation. During the rut, I don't feel like it's that big of a deal because deer are just covering ground. Late season, it's kind of a big deal to me because the deer are more cagey. I feel like they're going to find the areas, you know, they might at that point in the year, a lot of the intrusion is actually going to be hunting pressure and danger, and they're going to pick up on that, and they're just going to know that, and they're going to shift. So I can look at the things like that. Another thing that I pay a lot of attention to is the age of the trails. So like, for example, if you have a spot that's just loaded with hiking trails, those deer are, and, and let's say that those trails have been there for, let's say, 20 years, right? They're beaten to the ground. They're used all the time. Those deer have been born and grew up around those trails. And they've been around humans and it's nothing for them. Like they've learned how to survive and how to maneuver their way through that terrain without coming in contact of humans too often. But like to them, that's it's home, right? But if you take an area that doesn't have any trails and you introduce a new hiking trail into it, the big mature buck in that system probably isn't going to want anything to do with that hiking trail. And so I feel like if you're in an area where it's a new trail being introduced, Man, I I wouldn't like that very much at all because I feel like that deer is going to be like, nope, there's human intrusion here. There's never been intrusion before. I wasn't born around this. I'm not used to it. I'm out. I'm going to go find a new place to live. Um, the, The one thing I'll say too is with these hiking trails, I do find a lot of like bedding nooks. You know, that's the term that I've been using more and more lately where like within these areas, you'll have the one pocket. And especially if you have areas that have trails high and low, it really depends on how many of them there are. But I definitely think that if there's deer inhabiting those areas, there's going to be nooks. The, these deer just aren't aren't messed with very often. And it could be something where it's really steep terrain. It could be, you know, just an area like an old clear cut that has a lot of cover where they feel comfortable. It could be, like I said, that site advantage earlier. So I kind of look at all that and I'm kind of thinking about all that in my head when I'm looking at these spots. And I'm very similar to you where hiking trails to me are a conversation of their own because to me, that's like the thing I care least about. When I get into four-wheeler trails or Jeep trails, that just, to me, I don't I don't have, I'm not going to say any, I have very few spots that are productive at all with those trails. And you and I have went and scouted them before together mm-hmm. and ran yeah, into the same thing. A, and, we spent oh, a ton of time in an area like that trying to find these overlooked gems yeah. And we scoured it and we didn't find it there. Well, and, th- and that's exactly it. You bring up a good point. So if you have 100,000 acres to scout, it doesn't make sense to go scout the areas with the four-wheeler trails first. Like go find areas that don't have that. And then if you need to, if you absolutely need to, go scour the four-wheeler areas. And in my opinion, it's really hard to find those hidden gems. It just is. And then 
the problem that I ran into with Hannah, for example, like we're scouting national forest and hunting national forest, right? And there's four wheeler trails all over the place. We'll find a nook with a good buck and we'll go in there to hunt him. And this happened to us a couple of times where, you know, early rut, a bunch of out of staters around and they show up like four or five guys deep on a side-by-side with crossbows and they're dropping a guy off in each saddle on top of that ridge. And so like the accessibility for me and for most mobile hunters, I feel like we pride ourselves in the ability to outwork or outthink the common hunter. And that's, I hope that doesn't come off the wrong way, but like my thought process is I want to get in areas where I can just plain and simple work hard and get away from people. Like that's what, or think hard and get away from people. And that's like kind of my thought process. But all when you get in areas like that, that have four wheeler trails, you can take working hard out of the equation immediately. Because they, like, in my experience, the four-wheeler trails aren't, abi- like, they don't abide by the trails. They just drive everywhere. You know, they'll drive off the trail and everywhere else. And, you know, we found, like, hill climbs and we found mud bogs in the bottoms that aren't, that are illegal, that aren't supposed to be there. And They're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over the place. So, like, when I look at it, that's something that I pay a lot of attention to. And this isn't just Ohio specific. I've seen that in New York. I've seen that in Illinois a lot. Illinois was very similar to Ohio where we got into those areas where you can drive four-wheelers and Jeeps and everything around. And like, we found jumps, like we found jumps down in the bottoms, but there's also tree stands everywhere. And a lot of people are just riding their four-wheelers to those spots. So you think that you can outwork them and get in these corners, but somebody's already up there with a four-wheeler. And it's, to me, it's just not a game that I want to play unless I absolutely have to. There's so much land to cover in the country and in each state that to me, that's a last resort. So when I'm on a map e-scouting and I see four-wheeler trails, like heavily in an area immediately i'm just i mean i've got some hub systems in ohio that look great that lead out to ag they got everything going for them and they're from the map i can see the trails when you turn on like the trail feature but i can also zoom in on the satellite and actually see dirt from the roads and i haven't even been into some of those spots and is that biting me it might be right like it might be a good spot but man i just those those four-wheeler trails just are very tough to be consistently killing big deer around, in my opinion. Right. And it's something that came to me, you know, during this conversation, something I want to touch on is you have to analyze the type of people that are using these human travel routes. So four-wheelers, you know, I would say there's a higher percentage of hunters utilizing the ATV trails versus these hiking trails. And if, but you can look at some areas, right? So For example, like going back to that story where I was 100 yards away from a main hiking trail, nobody hunted that area, but everybody hiked it. All the hikers hiked it and all the hunters moved to different parts of the public that were away from the hiking hub. But those those people are on the trail. They don't step 10 feet off the trail left or right. You know what I mean? They're on the trail and the deer get accustomed to that. Now, if you get these more like in the corner of the public or side of the public. It is very rural. There's nothing touristy or pretty about it. It's just like a WMA out there with a hiking trail. Well, every, I mean, 90% of the people that are going to be walking that trail are going to be hunting, right? I mean, you have to, you, you have to look at it and analyze who's using this. Is it a hunter or is it just a hiker? You know, same with a bike trail or or a horse trail or ATV trail. Like it's like we said, ATV trails are the worst in my opinion, but Another example, you know, I I killed a buck uh, a few years ago. Um, there's a pathway that that a lot of people like to walk their dogs on, 
I mean, it's just a nice, it's a pretty area. And um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people walking their dogs on this path while I'm glassing in the summer. And I was glassing the day before the opener a few years ago. And I watched people, I watched my target buck come out like 45 minutes before dark. And I'm like, okay, he's still here. I'm going to kill this deer tomorrow. And all of a sudden him and the other deer, they got all nervous, peeked their head up, gone, ran away went back towards the bedding and I'm sitting there thinking, what the heck happened? And then 10 minutes later here down the trail comes, a, you know, some people walking their dog. And it really made me think, you know, should I hunt that exact spot tomorrow? And I did. And I shot the deer and it's like, well, they just walked their dog by. I mean, that deer could be 30 yards in the cover and watch them walk by and then come back out and feed more after dark. You know what I mean? But that's not a very heavily hunter used trail, right? It's just people walking their dog or people going for a jog or something like that. So that's something that I have really tried to key in on it. So if you have this big expansive piece of public with a couple hiking trails, I try to stay away from them because hunters typically try to use them to access. I've had better luck personally hunting around trails or paths or whatever that it's like, yeah, these are usually just recreationists or pedestrian, you know, pedestrians or whatever, walking their dog or hanging out. I've witnessed that a lot, right? And the one thing that I would add to that is with a lot of these trails, like the hiker trails, I would pay attention to the recreation that's happening as well. Like what I mean by that is if you're on a trail and you know that there's a good nook or like good bedding or like a good food source and it's near a trail, but the trail is just solely being used for destination right there by those people, it could be a really good spot because the deer will sit, will stand up on the hillside and watch those people. But if you're anywhere near a spot where people are going to stop, too, like a picnic area or, you know, just a flat spot where people want to rest and sit down on a rock and talk and things like that. Like that makes a huge difference too. And I have an example with my brother a couple of years ago, we were down here in a hub and we weren't that far from a hiker trail, but it was a spot that was getting frequented by good bucks a lot. And we just had a bunch of people come through right before dark and they sat down in that bottom to rest because it was the only flat spot. They'd been on a hill for a couple miles. They just sat down in that bottom and started chatting it up and our hunt was over. You know what I mean? So like, that's something that I look at too, but, but yeah, continue on, man. I just wanted to add that one little thing there. No, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, I kind of even overlook saying that cause I've seen the same thing. Like I would never set up anywhere near a, a, um, a stopping point per se. And I think to all the places that I have had good success, either kills or encounters or, you know, even trail cam pictures of daylight movement of mature deer very close to trails and nothing's ever been close to what you're saying, a human destination spot. You know what I mean? So I would agree with that. So I, I think I, I think that to answer the original question, overall, it's not preferred, but a lot of times it's it, it needs to be. You need to think outside the box and look around trailed areas. ATV areas, both of us try to avoid as much as we can. But past that, it's really about analyzing the trails and the people using them and what the people using them are doing. And then trying to figure out if a deer can use that to their advantage. And if the these few pillars fall in your favor, then you might find a gem. But if they fall the other way, then I would just move on. That's kind of how I look at it from a high level. I think you nailed it, man. I do want to, I want to cover one more thing here and you touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to go just a little bit further in depth with it. 
Um, I'd like to touch on utilizing these trails for access as a hunter. So put yourself in, you know, the shoes of a hunter now, right? How often do you actually access trails to hunt on? And have you had success doing that? I have really good success accessing as a hunter on trails that do not get accessed by hunters. So you can walk an area and I do this with trail cameras a lot. That's a whole other discussion. But I've had good success accessing to hunt on on trails that people typically don't use to hunt. I'm talking, like I said, these people that are the trails that people are typically just hiking on or walking their dogs or going for a jog or, you know, running or whatever. I mean, the day that big deer went by me on November 1st, and I didn't get a shot. I, you know, I had to leave town that same day. I was hiking out at noon with a stand and, you know, full camo and bow. I bet I said hi to 15 different hikers. I was like a mile and a half in and literally, I bet I said hi to 15 people walking out that were neon yellow, you know, just out for hikes in the woods, you know, and nobody hunted that area. And that's why. But on the flip side, you know, rural WMA, you know, no one's really going out there just to hike. I rarely ever use the trails. I mean, I might start there. Like if it's right at the parking lot, you might walk on the trail for 500 yards and then cut off or something like that. But like hunting next to those trails or using those trails for good access. Typically, I don't find any good deer next to those trails. And if you do, if you do, I would bet money he is observing that trail. So you're just shooting yourself in the foot. So I've never had good luck using a trail for access that other people use for access. I mean, it just kind of goes back to the like the saying that, you know, if you want to have the results everyone else is having, do what everyone else is doing, you know? Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I do have a couple examples here where I'm going to defer with you. And this is kind of getting fun for me now. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And I've seen that a bunch. And so I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit on the, on the other side of this thing. And so I have a spot where a big clear cut on a north facing slope, leeward for a south wind. And there's a hiker trail in the bottom and that hiker trail goes right past all the bedding, right? And this cuts a younger cut. So these deer watching this hiker trail all day long. And during the rut in 2020, I was sitting up on the ridge side, like on the side of that cut. So where the transition would be trying to shoot that transition. And I had a buck come out and he was walking the upper third above me. And there was a hiker on that trail with a dog and that buck just stopped and watched that hiker. And the hiker just continued on and that buck just was fine. It didn't phase him at all. Once the hiker was gone, he continued on. And so that year, that spot, I was accessing from the other direction a lot because I was just so worried about that. Right. And finally I told myself, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to try this. I'm going to try this out. It's a theory I want to test. It's like, I'm not going to, because what I'd been doing is like stalking my way in. Right. And the, uh, the night before, uh, the other thing that I didn't mention is right before dark, a guy with a crossbow walked right up that hiker trail, right? And what I noticed is the hiker was just being a person. They were just walking at a good speed with their dog. He was talking, he was having a good time. That hunter had like this slow stalk going right up the middle of this trail. And what I, what I learned from that is that like as a hunter, a lot of times we act differently than a person, than somebody that's just out there recreating and those deer catch on to that. And so what I started doing to access this spot, and I had some really good encounters from bucks that actually were bedded in the cut that would come out is I started walking like a hiker on that trail. And I mean, man, I'll tell you, I get out of my truck, I throw my gear on and I would walk full speed. 
just walking. Like I'm not looking left. I'm not looking right. I am just on a mission. Right. And what I would do is I would walk past that. So they were, there's no doubt in my mind, these deer are watching me walk in. And then when I got out of sight, I would slow way down and J hook back in up against that scrape that was on the hillside. And you know where I'm talking about. You and I actually sat this spot. I know exactly. Yeah. Before you even said that, I, I, I have the mental image. I know exactly where you're talking about. We chased, the, we chased the giant around in there, but dude, I'm telling you like these deer would watch me and then I would sit there and they would get up out of that cut and just act like nothing happened. And I think the biggest thing is like, we don't recognize what our body language is. And this goes to like what we talked about with glassing deer, right? Like body language is a huge thing. And for example, how many times have you been walking in the woods? I know this happens to me a lot. Like I'll be walking in the woods full speed and there's no deer running, right? And the second that I stop, you as stop. soon as I yep. stop, a deer takes off. And because they they were going to let you walk by, but as soon as you stop, they're like, well, there's a chance it's danger. I'm out. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's just something to keep in the back of your head where if you have a spot and you're looking at it and you're like, man, they're bedded above that. And the only way I can access this spot's on a hiker trail from down below. Don't be afraid to test out the theory and just go be a hiker and then find your way to flank in on the backside and set up and kind of trick them, if you will. And I would say I, I have done that too. And I would say that it works better in higher use trails. So if it's a trail that hardly ever gets used, you, it, it, it could, it could still bump them, I, I think. But if it's like a, if it gets used a lot, like that example I use where I literally talked to probably 15 people. Yeah. Mile and a half. I literally just boom, trucked in. And that was before, that was like before daylight, you know, but I'm still just, you know, they're used to people on these trails and just be a person. But like you said, with that crossbow hunter example, yeah, just, you can just look at like, have your buddy walk through the woods like a person and then have him like try to stalk, you know? And it's like, it's, it's totally different. You can tell when you're harmless versus when you're a predator, um, body language wise. And that's, I use that so much for trail cameras, like I said, and I've used it a handful of times for access just to try to be like a regular non-threatening person. And you can really use that as a really good tool at times. I think so too, man. I love it. Well, hey, this has been a great conversation. Austin, thank you for the question. And I'd really like to hear from some of you guys on this. So shoot us over a message, either Ethan or myself, and let us know your experiences with A, hiker trails, B, four-wheeler trails, and then if you utilize them or have or access on them or anything like that, I'd love to hear a bunch of different thoughts on it. Maybe we can get a panel of you know comments on this and then come up with a different theory. So hope you guys reach out and uh, have a happy Monday. We'll see you next week. Yep. See you guys.